superstar of man and wife and sacrifice the body. Welcome in to another episode of First of the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Also joining us to react to the Jalen Brown signing the Super Mega Max extension. It's Wayne Spoonie. Spoonie, how's it going, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm just waiting for my Super Mega Max, man. You know, my boss was not having it. <laughs> well, hopefully CLNS gave us the uh, the Super Mega Max <laughs> at some point. Uh, we'll see. I have to keep pushing, pushing these FanDuel ad reads, which we'll get to... Quite soon. So, Jalen Brown, he has signed a five-year, $304 million contract extension, the most lucrative contract in NBA history to date. It's going to be outdone like a year or two from now easily. Um, There is no fifth-year player option. Jalen did secure a trade kicker that will be the lesser of either 7% of unearned base salary compensation or $7 million, which sounds like a great deal to me. Uh, the layman. Um, Spoonie, how did you feel when you heard the news that this was done and dusted? Um, I I feel like I was pretty on board of like, this is happening. Um, I, I would never really was in doubt. Uh, once, especially once Grant was traded for essentially no um, money back. Uh, to me, that felt like, well, if we're cutting salary, that must mean we're doing it in anticipation of uh, giving Jalen Brown the extension. So it's nice. It's cool. I mean, it has the benefit of locking in a team that's probably going to be one of the championship favorites for the next several years mm-hmm. here. So um, we can stop. He can't even be tr- my favorite part. No trade rumors for a year. Yeah. We don't have to worry about it for a year. We Peace can just quiet stop for a yeah, year. Exactly. Exactly. So that part is especially nice. And now I'm just kind of, we're starting to hit the point of the off season where I'm just ready for the season to start again, but we've still got a long way to go. So I was pretty excited. Were you? Yeah. It was just nice also to have a nice influx of Celtics content. There was a press yeah. conference. Joe Mazzola was there talking about Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon, which we'll get to. Uh, it was just nice to, to wake up and uh, just see a bunch of stuff to read through. But... You know, all, all of that that we we're reading through, there, there was also a huge chunk, particularly on, you know, NBA Twitter and NBA Reddit, a bunch of naysayers who can't fathom giving Jalen Brown that much money. We've kind of like, we've sort of already covered this, Spoonie, given that like this was projected to happen. But like, what's your like, like holstered, ready to like pull out and like blah, blah, blah response uh, to the to the haters, to the naysayers who uh, are not a fan of this amount of money going Jalen Brown's way. I think people are just having a very difficult time grasping the value, like the, the size of the contract. But if you look at it, it's like super maxes have been signed before, right? It's still the same percentage of the cap and the cap is about to go crazy bananas in the next like decade here. So it's going to look better and better as we move forward and look we are very like recency bias might be the strongest bias frankly and that game seven was ugly very very ugly but on balance Jalen Brown had an absolutely incredible year you know all that he can't dribble left he can't go left like okay it's probably a weakness for him but that's a little overblown. Like you don't average twenty of uh, an efficient twenty seven a game and make All NBA second team when you can't dribble with your left hand. Like that just does not happen. Mm-hmm. So um, 
Jalen's a really awesome player. And frankly, the way the NBA is structured, there is no benefit to letting him walk. We don't get cap space. We're maybe we maybe have like a million dollars in cap space if we let him walk. So like the flip side is we just don't have him anymore for no replacement at all. Um, And it's tough to find a trade for him considering he's an expiring. So exactly like. The flip side is you don't have Jalen Brown and you have no way of replacing him with even a much worse version, or you do have Jalen Brown and Wick and Pagliuca have to spend a little bit more money. I know which one I'm taking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So second all team NBA, all NBA second team, however you want to phrase it. Uh, Hopefully better better than I just did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, He's a great player. And yes, he performed terribly in the conference finals. He was not the only one to perform terribly in the conference finals. Caleb Martin performed very well in the conference finals. It's a high variability situation, clearly. And unfortunately, Jalen Brown and the Celtics were on the the lower end of um, of how that turned out, how that shook out. But, you know, if you look through his... Um, his stats and his game logs and particularly his highlights of the last year, like, this guy gets buckets. He's fun to root for. He had some really interesting comments in his uh, press conference where they they signed the paperwork, and we'll, we'll get to a couple of those now. Let's run this clip. What do you plan to do with the generational wealth? I mean, what do you plan to do off and on the, on the floor with this new contract? Well, that's a great question. I want to launch a project to bring um, Black Wall Street here to Boston. I want to attack the wealth disparity here. Um, I think there's analytics that supports that you know, stimulating the wealth gap could actually be something that could be betterment for the entire economy. With the biggest financial deal in NBA history, it makes sense to talk about one, your investment in community, but two, also, you know, the wealth disparity here that nobody wants to talk about. It's top five in the U.S. It's something that we can all improve on. It's, it's unsettling. And I think through my platform, through influential partners, through selected leaders, government officials, a lot who are in this room, um, that we can come together and create new jobs, new resources, new businesses, new ideas that could you know, highlight minorities, but also stimulate the economy and the wealth gap at the same time. Uh, I think that could be a mix of commercial entities, real estate, residentials as well. Boston could be you know, a fully integrated, self-sufficient you know, hub, you know, attacking minorities and stimulating the wealth gap. I think Boston could be a pilot, not just for wealth disparity here in the U.S., but also for around the world. So you asked me what I wanted to do or what I want to do. Um, one, I want to you know, attack that wealth gap here in Boston, create a project. Um, also, I want to help stimulate the overall economy, and I want to bring Black Wall Street here to Boston. So I'm, I'm not going to pretend to know as much about these issues as Jalen Brown uh, or his associates do, but what I think, you know, there's two things I want to focus on here. First of all, this sets a really healthy precedent for future like supermax guys who come into this insane amount of money about how they should be thinking about using that newfound wealth. I think that's a really healthy approach and it's it's really um I guess ballsy of Jalen Brown to to take that approach and set that precedent. And also secondly, it just um reiterates how fun and fulfilling it is to cheer for this guy who's not just like you're like take the bag, you know, buy five houses in the Hamptons and, and like 10 Ferraris, but he's like actually a thoughtful um, dude and you know, a well more sort of rounded out character who is a lot of fun to cheer for both on and off the basketball court. So like the, the zoom out approach is like, 
the Jays, assuming that Tatum will accept his Supermax extension, which I'm sure that he will, are locked up like super long-term for us and with Smart and Grant going out and like us like grasping for things to cheer for as fans. Like it's it's really all about the Jays. Like that is the anchor that has been. We're very fortunate to be able to say this, the anchor for a while now. And, and just a reminder of the depth of character, I think, of Jalen Brown and why he is so fun to cheer for um, is why I'm ultimately happy about, you know, what's what's um, what's happened here. What do you think about that, Spoonie? Yeah, I, I like you, Ben. I feel like maybe we are not in the best position to speak on like what Jalen Brown is talking sure, about. Totally. But just to say, like, it is an incredibly awesome objective that he wants to accomplish. I hope absolutely he accomplishes it. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does, maybe off the court more than I am seeing what he does on the court. And it's like, say what you want about Boston's history with race as a city, because it's bad. Um, the whole country's is. Uh, but the Celtics as an organiza- organization have always been. Um, sort of the leaders and and things like this. And Bill Russell is a big reason for it. And it feels like he's kind of carrying on Bill Russell's torch, right? In that sort of social justice realm. Uh, so it's really awesome. Makes you want to cheer for him. Glad he's a Celtic, dude. It's like proud to have him as a Boston Celtic. Yeah, the Jays are fucking locked up, man. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> We've locked up the Jays. We can cheer for the Jays yeah. for a while. And if you are a brutal naysayer and, you know, we'll, we'll get to some cap stuff in, in a moment and you look at what you know, the cap sheet's going to look like when both Jays are under their supermax. The, the fact that Jalen Brown uh, and, and the Celtics did not end up agreeing on that fifth-year player option, are you was that like a notable takeaway for you, Spoonie, in terms of the added leverage that the Celtics get out of that? Yeah, I think on sort of the the nuts and bolts of the contract, that's a big. I, I, that is probably what the hang up was, and why this took a little longer than people anticipated. Um, you'll note Tatum did get the option in his contract, uh, but Tatum is the type of player that it's like, whatever you want, yeah. <laughs> whatever it'll get for you to sign this. Uh, and Jalen's maybe just that he's just a rung below, and that's fine. He's still All NBA second team. He's still worth the money. Um, so. Yeah, it just gives you it. Well, it, it's sort of a double edged sword. Well, I guess not having a player option is never a double edged sword. It's great to have him locked up. He can't get out of his contract early and then get an even bigger raise. Mm-hmm. So pure nuts and bolts, pure basketball analysis wise. That's a win for Brad Stevens as a GM. And I, I wonder if it shows like there's been a lot of talk about Jalen Brown's not dedicated to the Celtics. He's not dedicated to Boston. Well, he's just dedicated himself for five years here with absolutely no early out. Um, Mm -hmm. And he couldn't get a no trade clause, uh, but his trade kicker is not the max kicker he could have gotten either. So uh, on the fringes here, he he made some concessions and um, I think $300 million will go a long way to softening the blow of those concessions. But uh, yeah, I, I think overall, considering where the NBA is at and how salaries are structured, and the limitations the team has. Like, it's a win for both sides, I think. Spoonie, what would you do with $304 million? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
honestly, Ben, would I don't know. I would probably go to Vegas and I'd probably end up dying in a very stupid accident <laughs> in some sort of bizarre irony. Like I finally have enough money not to work and I never get to enjoy it. Yeah. But at least my kid and wife would be taken care of for the rest of their lives. And that's really what it's all about. But I'd buy a big ass house. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'd And I'd become a minority investor in the Celtics. I was going to say, sure. one of the first things yeah. I would do is like try and yeah. get a minority stake in an NBA team. I'd also probably do this podcast more full-time like we do this as a hobby outside of our full-time yeah. jobs if yeah. money was not an issue i would just be doing this all the time there'd probably be a lot more podcasts and a lot more youtube content to consume if that were the case so someone give us three hundred yeah. four million dollars please that would be great um <laughs> we'll take 30 million <laughs> yeah yeah i'll take 30 bucks uh, yeah, right. uh so a couple of other comments from from jalen brown's press conference so he is confident boston will maintain its defensive identity despite losing some key guys namely marcus smart grant williams quote i think what chris stapps Porzingis, can bring us defensively uh, to bring to us defensively and the additions some of our other guys can bring up to us defensively. I want to make sure that's where we hang our hats this year. Um, I don't know if we need to expand on this, Spoonie. Like we talked about the the emerging zone defense in Summer League and how that probably um, indicates that they're going to be playing some zone defense throughout the regular season with the the big club there, the Boston Celtics also. Um, I think it's, it's nice like Jalen Brown maybe like uh, assuming that leadership role a little bit uh, alongside Jason Tatum there uh, in terms of just like starting to um, articulate like what the identity of the team will be to hear that coming from him, I I think is promising. Obviously a lot of it hinges on what materializes on the court, but did you have any sort of takeaway from, from that comment at all beyond what you've already sort of said on, on recent podcasts? Yeah, I I think it's interesting, like the idea I've been thinking a lot about the idea of like basketball identity and what it means. And I've written about it twice in the last like two months, probably Um, just because I'm having a hard time, like conceptualizing it. Like is identity just like a we're going to play hard? Is it your scheme? I I think it's probably a combination of like we're going to play hard and we're going to execute the scheme and like we don't miss rotations and like it's everything put together. And I think to that, they're going to have a much different basket defensive identity this year. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be bad. I think Porzingis has some extremely valuable defensive skills. But he's could, could he be a more different defensive player than Marcus Smart? I, don't, I really don't think so, right? <laughs> yeah, like sure. a switchable guard and, uh, you know, solely rim protecting seven foot three, like, Gumby. So um, <laughs> yeah. I think it, I, I, I like that Jalen's like defense. That's going to be our calling card again. Um, I, I love the thought. I think that is probably untrue. Not because like, I don't think Jalen's lying, but it's just like this offense is going to be freaking incredible. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, There's no way it won't be their identity that their offense first, just because of how talented they are. I think it's exciting. Like, yes, the offense is going to be amazing and potentially, obviously it'll take some work, but like also maybe amazing by default. So therefore an increased focus on defense to All right. make for a more well-rounded team is obviously I'm, I'm going well out on a limb here very speculative limb uh, but it's exciting i'm very excited so it's, it's almost like moving to a new house spoonie like i'm i'm still me i'm bringing all my possessions with me but it's a new shiny house in a nice new neighborhood there's you know playgrounds nearby for the kids there's good schools 
it's a it's a crazy <laughs> analogy that I've obviously not thought out well as far as uh, acquiring Porzingis and getting rid of Marcus Smart. But you know, Jalen Brown, he could have been like, you know, we got rid of our best defensive player. Uh, you know, my best friend. You know, I don't know where we're going to go from here. This is a really poor pivot from the franchise. Like he didn't. He like he's clearly invested, uh, but obviously financially and as yeah. far as the, the roster is concerned. So uh, really yeah. good to hear. Uh, real quick, I, sure. real quick, Ben. I've, I have a weird thought. Please, it's like I love weird thoughts. Specifically, not specifically on Marcus Smart leaving. Have you ever seen the show Scrubs? Yes. Okay, so there's an episode late in season one where Car- there's a lot of friction between JD and Carla because when he- she's she's like the head nurse that he works with a lot and he's a resident physician, right? And when he first starts out, she knows way more than him, right? And then as the season goes along, it's actually really masterfully done for a comedy. Like he starts to get it and then his medical training kind of takes over and there's like this friction between like him sort of assuming the leadership when they're around the patients and her having to pass it off mm-hmm. and it's kind of difficult for her and um, they end up sorting it out. But I, it's almost like the Jays kind of like <laughs> couldn't assume the leadership. Like there was friction, yes. like not intentional friction. There's just no way to avoid it when you're like one leader has to step back and another one has to step in. It's just a super awkward situation. And it's like, Maybe the best thing for them to assume their positions as like the two leaders of this team is Marcus Smart just had to get out of the way. Yeah, I fully get you. Like I, I, yeah, I right. completely subscribe to that. So uh, I mean, let's see how it plays out. But I'm excited that the you know the way has been paved for the for the Jays to to pick up that leadership and certainly financially. You know, the, the expectation right. is going to be there now as well. So, uh, a few other comments to come out of, or really one more comment to come out of the Jalen Brown press conference. So, Bobby Manning had this on Twitter. Not a huge surprise, but Joe Mazzulla confirmed Derek White will start at point guard for the Celtics this season, season. Says the organization has talked to Malcolm Brogdon and they're taking small steps in the healing process toward reintegrating him back into the team after the near deal. And as an extension of that, and this was reported, I guess, a week ago, the Celtics have shut down any Malcolm Brogdon trade inquiry. So I'll, I'll sort of allow you, Spoonie, to take that where you will. I, I think we all expected Derek White to be the starting point guard. So maybe the Brogdon stuff is a little bit more interesting. What are your thoughts on on that? Um, all of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think the Derek White stuff is like, yeah, thanks, Joe. We got it, buddy. Like, we know. Yeah. We know. Um, yeah, the the Brogdon stuff is really, it's going to be a little strange, I think, right? Because he was, I two, if you were two years ago and someone asked you who's better, Malcolm Brogdon or Derek White, I think it almost would have been unanimously Malcolm Brogdon, right? And now, especially for just the way this team is constructed, I think it's unanimously very easily Derek White. Oh, yeah. So you've got that where Brogdon already has to swallow his pride. And then all of a sudden he's about to be traded to L.A. That falls through. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, it, Joe, like Joe has been put in a difficult position, but at least he can be like, look, it wasn't me. It was the bosses. Like, I didn't want them to trade you, Malcolm. Like, blame, blame Stevens, buddy. Like, we're, you're good. You're closing games for me, Malcolm. So, Meanwhile, Brad's I, like, Joe's yeah. never lied to you, man. I'm sorry. It was all <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he was begging me to trade you instead of smart. Uh, yeah. So, uh, 
I don't know. It's interesting that they're shutting down trade inquiries. I, I think that's probably makes sense because if you trade Brogdon, you need to get a guard back and you're probably not going to find a guard that's better than Malcolm Brogdon, especially one willing to be the sixth man. So uh, I'm glad he's still sticking around. The injury stuff kind of scares me because yeah. there's a lot of talk about him, like the healing process, I think also hinted at like literal healing <laughs> process because he's still hurt, which yeah. is not great considering his history. So very bizarre. Like it's just... The Brad Stevens Celtics are never boring, dude. He's a maniac. Oh, I love it. After coming off the range, yeah. like the best trade is the trade that you don't make era. Like yeah. Brad Stevens <laughs> just making all the trades and getting all the headlines uh, is so much fun. Yeah. And that the need to downsize the Brogdon contract, you know, if we're going to go in that direction, becomes more pertinent next offseason when... Um, you know, uh, I, I believe Jalen Brown's max extension actually kicks in and we've got some salary, some massive need to reduce some salary as a result. But we're good for the next year. So I can understand shutting down the uh, oh, big big Aussie fan. Shout out in the comments. Thanks, mate. Uh, I can understand the need for, for shutting down the, the Brogdon trade inquiries um, for now. Mark Spears had this report, and it's a cool tidbit from Jalen Brown's uh, record five-year, $305 million contract extension. So maybe I had that wrong before with 304. I have seen a, a few different numbers um, Same. reported. Uh, suffice to say, it's very high. Um, the two-time <laughs> NBA All-Star will receive a payment of $7,777,777 on July 1 of every year of the contract in honor of his number seven and his foundation uh, juice, the source said. So maybe the takeaway there is if you're a new NBA player, choose the jersey number 99 because if you get this clause in your contract, you're going to make the maximum amount of money. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of anything like this. Um, So I, I didn't realize that sort of the payment structure on your yearly salary could be broken up so strangely like that i thought it was just game checks um but yeah that's kind of cool uh i'm interested to know if that's going straight to his foundation or if he's going to cash that check and i mean uncle sam's got to get their piece i suppose so uh it's going to go to him and then maybe to the juice foundation but uh yeah really weird i i I, jalen's an interesting dude like he's he really is in a lot of ways and i mean that in a good way yeah, well, if it's if it's if it was happening in Australia, you could do like a salary sacrifice that would go straight to a charitable donation, and you could actually avoid being taxed on that. So I don't know if that's a thing in the states. I'm sure they've got it all figured out. I'm sure they've got a bunch of people who know what they're doing. You can, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Uh, before we move on, we're going to get to some more uh, long term uh, cap implications. But before we do that, we're going to get to a quick message from our sponsors. The CLNS Media Network is powered by FanDuel. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston and get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports sports book. Excuse me. Because right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to join today. And while I'm not about to talk to baseball about baseball, the Women's Soccer World Cup is currently going on in my home city of Sydney, Australia. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, Canada and Australia play each other tomorrow night. I am going to get on the result and both to score 
bet in favor of Australia. That's plus 390. So that's Australia to win and both teams to score. It's been a somewhat high-scoring tournament so far. Australia Mm -hmm. are the favorites in this game, and yet both teams are likely to score. So that seems like a, a safe bet to me. Of course, gamble responsibly. Only bet what you can afford to lose. All of that stuff, but I'm excited to get on this one via FanDuel, our sponsor here at First of the Floor. Spoonie, have you been watching the uh, very non-US time zone friendly Women's yeah. Soccer <laughs> World Cup at all? <laughs> uh, not live. I've been. Uh, I'm on Reddit Soccer all the time, cool. so I've been following the highlights through there. Yeah, because these games are on at like 2 a.m. and crazy stuff like that. So I have not been. Um, but uh, I'm, I I love it. You know, it's good soccer. Like the USA just played a wild game against the Netherlands. Yeah. Like they were killing each other, dude, like spikes up and stuff. So uh, I think there's a 1-1 draw. But uh, yeah, it's a World Cup, man. It's the my, for my money, the best tournament in sports, oh, men's or women's. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm going to get out there to, to Homebush in Sydney and see a couple of Aussie Matildas games before the tournament uh, wraps up. Now, look, we're going to race through the rest of this. And I thought it was important to get to the long-ish term cap situation. And we've got to give a lot of credit to the Sportsologist, which is a Reddit us- user um, for basically summarizing the Celtics upcoming cap situation and also doing the same thing for like five other teams uh, so far. So clearly they just get a kick out of assessing teams cap sheets. And I've done my best to sort of dot point and summarize this very, very long post. I'll put the link to that post in the comments if you want to check it out. And I highly recommend doing so. So essentially looking at the Jalen Brown contract situation, that doesn't change. And Spoonie, Please feel free to jump in and correct me or if you've got any comments as we go through this, I'll be as quick as possible. Um, The Jalen Brown contract extension situation doesn't change this year's cap situation. Currently, we've got 14 players rostered and we're $4.3 million under the second apron, which is currently set at $182.7 million. Next year, the second apron jumps to $201 million, which is an increase of $18.3 million. But Jalen Brown's salary jumps from $31.8 million to $52.3 million, which is an increase of $20.5 million. So, assuming that Brad Letts, Peyton Pritchard, Luke Cornett, Justin Champagny, and uh, Delano Banton walk... Uh, if the Celtics keep the 10 players they currently have under contract for that season, the 2024-2025 season, then that would leave around $14.1 million to fill out the remaining five roster spots in next year's season. So given the Celtics have two first-round picks next offseason and a bunch of second-round picks, they could pad out their roster with two first-round drafted rookies, which would leave enough to sign uh, a veteran with the taxpayer mid-level exception and on uh, another vet on the vet minimum while just remaining under the second apron by like like a few hundreds of thousands of dollars. Then the following year, the 2025-2026 season is when Tatum's new contract kicks in. The Jays will combine for 70% of the cap plus Porzingis on a 30-ish million dollar per year salary, but will only have five total players under contract at that point in time and will be $60 million under that second apron, which we're desperately trying to avoid. So that's ample room for a Derek White extension, solidifying our starting five, 
And again, the ability to use our picks, which we have plenty of, vet mins, and the TP MLE to pad out the roster. Uh, it does get tight, but it's not a death sentence. So that's the summary. Read the full post by the sportsologist on, on Reddit because it really does a much better job that I've just done. I've just given you the crib notes of explaining why you know the Celtics cap, cap sheet, it's difficult with these two young supermaxes, but it's not, It's like I said, it's not a death sentence. Um, any thoughts, Spoonie, about all of that or any of your own sort of independent thoughts on the upcoming cap sheet? I Spotrack has us about 3.4 under the second apron right now. I okay. wonder if he's not taking into account um, maybe some dead money we have on the books or something yeah, or somebody's non Yeah, uh, or maybe Jordan Walsh, mm-hmm. who's 1.1. Um, so that would account just about for it. So either way, uh, yeah, it, this is going to be a very expensive team for the next couple of years. Uh, so... And that's just the nature of having two guys. I mean, Tatum is on a rookie Supermax right now. Uh, it obviously looks a lot better um, because the cap continues to increase at a pretty insane rate. Uh, so we'll be good. We're just like, when you think back to the Kyrie era, right? When that team was like 10, 11 deep with like plus role players, that is just not going to be the case anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That frankly might have been one of the weaknesses of that team is how loaded it was and people wanted more shots and wanted to play more. So it's totally fine. It's just going to you can't really insulate yourself against injuries a lot of the time. So when you have to be a little thin because your top three are making such a large percentage of the cap. But that's how most championship contenders are, right? Like there, you you need eight deep, nine deep, and you got to hope you stay healthy because Uh, Danny LaRue has this great saying that I absolutely love. He's like, the championship is the team that's in the mix that stays healthy. It's like the most healthy, good team wins the championship, right? And so even if you have a great backup, if Jason Tatum gets hurt, that great backup ain't Jason Tatum. It's not going to matter, right? And you saw it with Brooklyn when they took the Bucks to game seven and, you know, Harden fell apart Kyrie was hurt and it was basically just Durant and they ultimately lost and Milwaukee went on to win the title like Milwaukee stayed healthy they won the championship so we're just banking on you got to give yourself so many shots with these three guys and just hope one of these runs you get a break here or there and you stay healthy and you can win a title or two and uh with the way things are constructed now with Grant out the door uh, because I think it got really, it, frankly, impossible to manage if you keep Grant Williams around. So you're going to see good role players walk out the door. Yeah. Uh, it's just going to be the nature of what's going to happen these next few years. But uh, that doesn't matter as long as you got the Jays and Porzingis. Like this team is going to be one of the contenders for the title. Where would you rank the new CBA in terms of things that have fucked the Celtics in the past like five years? So like uh, other... <laughs> Things that I would add to that list is, of course, the Gordon Hayward injury, <laughs> Kyrie Irving deciding to become like an online <laughs> like conspiracy theorist uh, uh, enthusiast, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, there are other things like I guess it, it, from a smaller note, like the Jalen Brown vase situation. The new CBA, based on like the, the Celtics, like did a great job of constructing this team based on the old CBA. And this has really thrown a spanner in the works, for lack of a better term. I think it's up there, like maybe number two under the Gordon Hayward situation. Maybe even number one, once you factor in that the Hayward injury actually like brought the Jays to the forefront like sooner rather than later. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty, it's 
It's pretty fucked. I'm not a fan. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah. Uh, first of all, shout out to Jesse, who's apparently on a live stream on his channel. Go subscribe to Jesse's channel. <laughs> That's amazing. Reacting to us. So they're watching us on his live <laughs> shout stream. Out so shout out to Absolutely. you guys. That's yeah. So good. <laughs> um, yeah, this is up there. You know, what's I've been thinking, I was thinking about the Hayward injury, and we think like, oh, we would have won the title without it. Kyrie also got hurt too. Like Kyrie didn't play in those playoffs either. So maybe not. I don't know. Maybe we were just a Gordon Hayward away from at least making the finals, but Hayward's got to be way up there. Kyrie, I don't know. Just it felt so inevitable by the time it happened. <laughs> like that is the first good Celtics team I have stopped watching. Yeah. Like it was uh. March and I was like, I cannot watch these dudes anymore. And I tuned back in for the playoffs and I was like, well, they haven't changed. That's great. Um, so, but so, man, like the fact you got to think we've basically been fashioning this entire plan, the plan J, to come to a head when these guys hit their mid to late 20s. And right before they do, I know. we get slapped with this insanely restrictive CBA right before the Celtics finally paid deep into luxury tax. We had never been over six million over the into the luxury tax, and we went like twenty two or twenty three this year, and then boom, uh, yeah. nope, you're staying at seventeen over. You can't do this again. It I might be one if we win a title, it's neck number four hundred. I don't care, but yeah, yeah, I mean it. It's obnoxious, dude. It's it. Keith Smith had a tweet. He's like, this was designed to break up teams like the Celtics. Like, awesome, very cool NBA. Yeah, we just got there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Uh, my my dynasty fantasy team is trying to do the same thing and lowering the amount of keepers we get from seven to like four, <laughs> even though I've spent yeah. the last decade building this treasure trove of young talent that the window is like five years from now. Like, don't don't shoot me down now. Anyway, yeah. I know it's like talking about your dreams. No one likes to hear anyone talk about their fantasy team. I get that. But I, I do think that the the CBA and how it hampers the Celtics as far as like, its place in a long line of like curse worthy Celtics hampering events, I think it's kind of under discussed. And I feel like it's all about us, Spoonie. Yeah. All about shitting on the Celtics. And that that depresses me a lot. And Um, the Warriors. And the Warriors have some great great, positive takeaway. Good, good. Let's end it on that. Um, Speaking of things that depress me, Mike Gorman. So this is per NBC Mm -hmm. Sports Boston. Mike Gorman today announced that the 23-24 NBA season will be his last after 43 years of calling Boston Celtics games. We will continue trying to get him on the podcast right up until he retires and potentially ongoing from there. Um, But Mike Gorman, I don't know. We talk about Mike Gorman at every opportunity on this podcast because we love him so much and we love how he has punctuated amazing Celtics moments in his 43 years. What were your thoughts on on this? Like, it, it's not that surprising, right? No. At this point in his career, Mike deserves to go out on his own terms, enjoy a little bit of retirement. Um, I get why he'd want to call it a day, hang up the microphone after forty three years. But Mike has been like, uh, like a family member mm. to me, and I'm sure all Celtics fans. Like, he is ubiquitous in the viewing experience of the Boston Celtics. Like when I see a highlight without sound, I can like hear Mike Gorman calling it. Takes it, it, makes it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pierce. (laughs) 
and like the Harrington Pierce, like now Pierce is talking, yeah. like you know, it brings like a tear to my eye. The rest telling him to so- shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like so many like huge moments in my life. Maybe this is like sad to say, but you know, I'm a pretty big fan of the Celtics. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, we get it. Uh, and like like the big moments in Celtics history and like the less important fun moments too, which are like just as important when it, when you think about basketball as an entertainment product, Mike is there, right? Like I wish we could get Mike for the deep playoff games too. Like I wish we could have his announcing, but I'm, I'm really going to miss him, dude. It's going to be a sad day, but I wish him all the best for real. Like he's just, seems like an awesome guy. Yeah, even how nice he is to the rest of his NBC Sports Boston crew. Like whenever Abby throws back to him from the sideline, he's always, you know, rightfully so, like very yeah. complimentary of what she's had to say, which I don't think a lot of people are, like male people in that role are. Yeah. Uh, and the same with like Forsberg and Scal and all those guys. Like, even if like there could be a lane to disagree with him. I feel like he's always very supportive and complimentary of what they have to say, which just like builds the like the nice guy narrative of who he is and makes him more interesting to root for. Um, yeah, he's going to be missed. He's going to be missed. Sean yeah. Grandy is, I think, the the logical and obvious and inline replacement. Are you a are you a Grandy fan? So I've actually listened to a lot of radio, um, Celtics radio. At times, like some of those doldrum NBA games and stuff, you know, like play video games and throw on the radio for Grandy. Um, so I I love Grandy. I understand that the criticism of him is that he maybe doesn't let the game breathe mm-hmm. quite enough. Uh, and I think that's just a hang up of being on the radio and having to explain yes. literally every single thing that's yeah, going on. Totally. Get the guy uh, a break. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I think he is incredibly talented. I think he's got a great voice, just like audibly yeah, you know what i mean totally. like there's a pleasing voice to listen to so uh i'm all in 100 percent on grandy i think he will you know he'll he'll knock that out of his system by halfway through the first season i guarantee it he's really talented he's awesome he's pretty excitable in a way that mike maybe isn't yeah. at all mike mike gets up for the right moments Grandy will like scream, you not scream, but he'll be like, he buried it. Yeah. It's 12 13. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I honestly, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, fun. it speaks to me as a Celtics fan where it's like, you score the first two baskets of the game and you're like, yes, we're fucking yeah, winning. Yeah. Like, yeah. and also, never, yeah, we're going to go, they're not going to score. Yeah. yeah. He, he does things as well. Like, I think he introduced the Raptors lineup. Maybe it was a couple of years ago and there were no like letter D's in any of their names. And he was like, the absence of the letter D in their names is very indicative of their defensive scheme. <laughs> Just stuff like yeah. that. He, he finds little pockets that other people don't. So, um, we will absolutely miss Mike Gorman and we're looking forward to this, um, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant style farewell tour. But um, yes. big fans of Sean Grandy here. So um, also hoping to get him on the podcast. Anyway, please. <laughs> uh, let's end on this. I'm going to run the clip and then we'll quickly react to it and then we'll wrap up. <laughs> I know. That is... Who is that? Uh, Who is that? A very so aerodynamic uh, Derek White dunking the ball on some poor soul. We, we talked about his aerodynamicism in the last podcast, Foodie. Um, I don't know. I don't know what who the opponent is here. 
but it is Derek White. He is dunking. He's looking sharp. Any any thoughts on on this new Derek White clip that has surfaced? Yeah, I think he's going to make the All Star team. <laughs> this, <laughs> right? There's no there's no chance he doesn't. We might go full Hawks and have all five guys make the All Star team this year. <laughs> but I I I mean, just like more broadly, I'm super excited for starting point guard Derek White yeah. and having him be extra aerodynamic. You know that hair's not going to be in the way of his jump shot. It's I, he's primed for a big year when smart was out and he was averaging like 28 and five. Like, I don't expect him to do quite that, but he's going to be a monster this season. Yeah, really excited to see it and, and very excited uh, for one Jake Eisenberg, who I, I believe is in transit from potentially Albania via Singapore <laughs> back to Australia. I don't have all the details, but I think he'll be back on the pod uh, early next week or so. Um, we'll see. But for that to align with some new mistress material uh, is very exciting. Huge. All right. Anything, any other thoughts, remaining thoughts, anything we didn't cover, Spoonie, that you want to get to? I don't think so. I'm writing something on Sam Hauser here that I'm hoping to finish up tomorrow. So check that out on Celtics blog, how Sam Hauser can seize the day. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Looking forward to reading that. Yeah. Definitely check out Spoonie on Celtics blog. Uh, definitely from my perspective, like I uh, have a terrible attention span and am a terrible reader. <laughs> and yet I always find Spoonie's work uh, extremely easy to breeze through. Uh, and it just sort of bridges that gap, I think, as far as the modern attention span is concerned. So definitely check out Wayne Spoonie's work on Celtics blog uh, or on his Medium page uh, if you haven't already. That's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be back next week. Like I said, Jake is going to be back next week for all of you mistress lovers out there. Spoonie, love your work, mate. Until next time, go Celtics. Celtics.